Good morning, everybody. Uh, this this podcast is actually going to go out for everybody, and this is going to be another one of those kind of bonus ones where there is going to be a question at the end of it for extra credit. But I just kind of wanted to sit down and have at least my best interpretation of a conversation about what is going on in our world in terms of race relations. Now, obviously, you have to understand a couple of things. I'm not trying to say I understand because I don't. I am a white male in the United States and there are privileges that I have that I don't I never thought about until recently um, until it was kind of put out there for me to really start reflecting on my life and where I come from with all of that being said what continues to happen in the United States with our systemic racism that you know starts and breeds within our police force where they for whatever reason feel the need to fire upon an African American is sickening it is extremely hard to turn on the news every day and see that this has happened yet again and it's I wish I had an answer I wish I had something that I could say uh, to my students to the world to fix it. But I don't have the answer. And I don't have the answer, not because I didn't live in any of these situations, but because there is no easy solution. How do we go back and erase something that has been trained in a lot of people's minds for such a long time? Well, how do we erase institutions that have allowed this thought process to go that, you know, African-American, especially male, are dangerous. And if they're dangerous and they resist in any way, then they need to be put out or else they will hurt you. It's a scary time because this isn't just happening in Wisconsin. This isn't just happening in Minnesota. This is happening everywhere just in different ways and in different light. And I think throughout my life, I never recognized, I don't think I ever recognized how desperate and how much people needed to hear and understand that it's okay to be, to have pain. It's okay to protest. And when Colin Kaepernick uh, first started taking a knee, uh, when when the national anthem was went out, I I wouldn't say I supported it, but I wasn't against it. I thought you know peaceful protest is peaceful protest. You have the right to do that. I you know at the time I sat there and maybe a little bit naive. I said you know I kind of wish there was another way to do it, and I questioned his integrity about it because that was the narrative we were fed was oh he's doing this, but what about this? What about that? And then as things move forward and, you know, you start seeing protests and, you know, you see the protests in Minnesota turn violent. You see the protests in subsequent subsequent cities. You know, you see uh, kind of some of the stuff in Toledo even here where we had uh, the, the police start shooting rubber and wooden bullets at protesters uh, back around Memorial Day and in early June. And you have all this going on and you sit there and you go, wait, and you start thinking, why are we firing bullets at these people who are protesting. And then you see the videos of 
groups coming in knowing that if they place this here, these bricks here, somebody's going to use them because that's how angry getting how angry people are becoming. The Black Lives Matter movement is a movement that is extremely significant and important to what is going to be the future of this nation. The reason I say that is because we're at the time where we are approaching the second civil rights movement. Uh, and that is, you know, just kind of walk you through history a little bit. Obviously, African-Americans were enslaved until 1865. That was, you know, them not them being able to get paid to work. And I say them not, you know, because it's not us, but, our, you know, ancestors and everything being paid to work after that was like the first step of the civil rights movement. They were considered free, but they didn't get any of the benefits that went along with that freedom. So the second civil rights movement came a hundred years later and it started in about the 1950s. And, and yeah, there's traces of it earlier than that, but that's when it really starts to uh, kind of ramp up. And as it starts to ramp up and push through and kind of do all these other things, which is great, I, you know, was great that they they fought for it. You know, they saw the same type of screw you attitude from the rest of the world that that people are seeing today within the Black Lives Matter movement. And within that movement, they continued to push through and continued to fight forward. And as they fight forward, you know, they got the freedom of, of uh, to vote or the right to vote and no more bullcrap behind it. They got rid of segregation. They got rid of all these things that seemed like the right steps in making the world better or making things equal in our, in our country. And as that continued, that was all well and good, but as that continued something still wasn't right, but I don't think anybody could put their finger on what it was. I don't think anybody truly understood what was going on. I don't think people realized how racist, systemically, our nation had already been embedded. And that's what brings us to today. And it didn't start with George Floyd's murder. It actually started four years ago. It started with a guy in Ferguson, Missouri, whose name I believe was Michael Brown. I may be off on that, but I'm pretty sure that was his name, was Michael Brown, when he was murdered by, by a police officer. But back then, the rest of America wasn't ready to hear it. Whether that's right or wrong, that's up to different interpretations. But that's the reality, is that as an American, we weren't, we weren't ready. We weren't ready to hear, oh... This, you know, this group is terrible. And, you know, everybody f shouted back with Blue Lives Matter, you know, at, at uh, Black Lives Matter. And when that happened and when that went down, we continued this push forward. And in this push forward, it just kept, kept going. You know, it kept it kept going and nobody really could piece together what it was. And then I think it was two years after that, the Ferguson uh, debacle. 
there was another couple incidents of African Americans being killed by the police. And those incidents got big time, you know, press and attention and people started to kind of see this is wrong. And then the George Floyd incident happened and George Floyd was just the, the tipping point. George Floyd was the tipping point because it not only had this man who, you know, you look at the other incidences and everybody could find the excuse why, you know, oh, it's okay because this guy was a gangbanger. This guy was this, that, or the other thing. You know, so it was okay. You looked at George Floyd and George Floyd wasn't one of those. He was actually a coworker of the officer who choked him out. They worked together as security at a bar about 10 years ago, 15 years ago. They knew each other. He didn't resist arrest. He didn't resist, and he asked as best he could for them to stop because he can't breathe. And over what? What was, what was it that he was doing wrong? That's the problem. I think everybody knows that that's the problem. But why are we going to force? I don't care what color your skin is for this. Why is anybody going to force? It's such a quick notion. Why are we jumping to force over petty things? It doesn't make sense and it's not adding up. Have we been so poor in hiring our police officers that we have allowed racism to become our cops? Maybe. Maybe this falls on the practices of what it is. But there's a lot of ways to fix the problem. And I don't know what the answer is. This is kind of me, you know, walking through in my head, how do we fix the problem? Because I don't know. And I'm not going to know. And I'm open for all ideas as to how to fix this problem. This is not, this is a society problem that needs some type of attention. And with what has happened over in Wisconsin over these last several weeks where we watch uh, African-American male get shot seven times in the back in front of his children getting into a car after, you know, all types of things. And he is left paralyzed to the next day at protests, a 17-year-old white kid with an automatic rifle that is not registered in his name is able to walk through a protest, kill two and injure one go home and go to sleep. Anybody who wants to say racism doesn't exist in this nation needs to look at those two facts. One man is shot for allegedly resisting arrest and a kid is able to walk through with a rifle and kill two and injure another person and go home before he is caught. One was black, one was white. At the beginning of the coronavirus, when the state of Michigan and the state of Ohio actually as well started to ban, like kind of end all social gatherings and say, listen, we're going to close our restaurants and we're going to close our bars. In Michigan, they showed up with automatic rifles. And they said, look, we are here to protest. They showed up at the state house trying to pro protest Gretchen Whitmer. They showed up trying to protest Mike DeWine saying, look, you can't take these freedoms from us. They showed up with automatic weapons and they shoved it in everybody's face. Look at us. Here we are. You can't do this. 
you, the government shouldn't have this power. And our president got on board and said, man, these guys are heroes. Look at them standing up to the government. George Floyd was murdered by police and our president's response to the protesting in that was that the thugs are out and that we need to bring in the National Guard. These weren't people with weapons who were protesting. These weren't people who had any malicious intent going in there. Yes, did things get out of hand and there was some rioting in some places, yes. But if the only thing that African-Americans doing right now after 250 years of bull crap is rioting, then man, Shouldn't that talk about the character more than the one or two incidences of negative? We're looking at a group of people that have been treated like crap forever. And they rioted a little bit. And we want to send in the military on it? It doesn't add up. Our country is backwards. It hurts to see the pain of a group of people. And with that group of people and that pain, it leads us to wonder and question ourselves. I'm trying to have this conversation. It's a better conversation to not have when we're in remote learning, I will say that. And this will come up again in the school year because something will happen again. I think that became almost the problem is that June happened and there was protests every day. And then July and August happened and or July and most of August happened and nothing really went wrong. So everybody went back and relaxed a little bit. And then it happened again. And now you see the anger and the fear. All I can say is I'm sorry that you have to live this way. And if you ever need anything, I hope you know you can reach out to me. I know this was a much uh, longer podcast than I've normally done. I'm going to wrap it up here. I'm going to wrap it up with your extra credit question. Uh, your extra credit question for today. What can be done to fix racism in America? It's a very complex question. There is no right answer. There is no wrong answer. But what can be done to fix racism in America? One paragraph, email it to me, send it to me however you can. Uh, make sure you guys are listening to this. Please rate, review, subscribe. If you get any type of rating or review today, it's going to be extra credit for you as well. Uh, we're trying to get us through this. Please let me know if there's anything that you guys need from me. On that note, have a wonderful rest of your day and have a safe weekend. Goodbye.